Our first lesson for today is from 1 Samuel chapter 3. This will serve as the basis for the sermon. God is calling the boy Samuel to be his prophet. And it's in a unique time, a transition time between the era of the judges when Israel had no king and everyone did as he saw fit, the, the wild west days of the judges and the era of the kings and a unified nation. In between, God is raising up a prophet who would faithfully minister his word to the people. And here is his call in chapter 3. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli, the priest. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am, a Hebrew version of saying, At your service. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord meaning the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, Go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. The word of the Lord. My dear friends in Christ, you ready for another upstream? One of those little fish hook directions going a different way in the call of our Savior, by his calling, by his calling. Maybe the way that today's upstream is the most different or unusual, if that's what upstream communicates to you. This is something out of the ordinary, something that's not going with the flow, that's just not regular and normal. Maybe the most striking thing for today is that the calling of God is not what you'd expect, where you'd probably expect the voice in the night. You'd probably expect something glorious and radiant. You'd probably expect the shivers up and down your spine at the very least if it's the call of God to share in all the riches of his good things. And then you, you even have to look at the story of Samuel and be like, so what was your call to be God's prophet moment like? You know, was it like this fire glow like Moses in the burning bush? 
you know, he sees this bush that's on fire, but it won't go out. And, you know, he's, now that's a cool story. Like, usually we're going to attach our heart to something that's at least worthy of telling a story about. And then Samuel goes, you know, I was sleeping and I heard this voice. I thought it was Eli and it wasn't. Then I heard this voice and I thought it was Eli and it wasn't. Then I heard this voice and I thought it was Eli, but it wasn't. What is not working here? It's already kind of this little, why is God using the voice disguiser? That <laughs> He sounds like Eli, you know, that's so usual. It's so ordinary that it could be confused with an Eli. Like, you and I all know Hollywood God. We know what God's supposed to sound like. We all know that I just put my hand close to the microphone, get a little extra reverb going in there, and lower my voice. This is God speaking. Now I know that God is in the room, you know? So what's going on that this is so normal? Maybe the, the great upstream for you in your day and your life today is to recognize the call of God in a 1,500-page book right below your seat. Maybe it's to recognize the call of God that's been calling through the Word. As the Apostle Paul told in 2 Thessalonians, whether by mouth or by letter. Do you remember that little phrase he kind of put in there? God who gave you Let's hold on to the teachings we passed on to you, whether those teachings came to you by mouth. Was that really special to have the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Paul in the room? At least that's the story you could tell. Or is it just a little bit less if it's on paper? And now we're, we're kind of calculating the glory of the moment based on the method. And maybe God's purpose in calling Samuel this way, and one of the points that just puts that little wrinkle in your life and turns you upstream is to say, I want you to hear me in something routine, something lowly, something as easily misunderstood as Eli a room away. Isn't that amazing? A few drops of water on an infant nevertheless is buried with Christ and raised to life in him in baptism. It's just a is it, is, it just a, is it just a wafer? Is it just wine? Is it just bread? Is it just wine? Is this not my body and my blood? Do I have to say it again? Is it not his own body and his blood? There's something about the glory of God in all the wrong places. <laughs> Nazareth. <laughs> Nazareth. Can anything good come from there? And here's this little boy. Shouldn't we be picking someone else to be a prophet? Shouldn't we be somebody who's at least gotten lesson 101 for a prophet? Like, by the way, when you hear that guy talk, that's when you say, speak, your servant is listening. You don't go running to your earthly master in the room next door. We're going to learn three things from this account in 1 Samuel today. Our goal would be to understand the call that saves, a call that comes with God's own power and a call with all of his blessings. And to underscore the call that saves is really just to say how there was no earthly achievement, there was no earthly like like 
when Samuel tells this story, there's nothing about him that owned a moment. There's nothing about him that said, in my great commitment to the call of God, in my great ability to hear God, in my great, there's no great that Samuel owns. If Samuel were to take Samuel as far as Samuel could go, he'd get no further than hell. If you were to take you as far as you could go, you'd get no further than hell. If I'm to take me as far as I can take me, I get no further than hell. But it is a call, it is a call upstream that nevertheless is the call of God's things. It's the call of God that saves that even before he becomes a mouthpiece for God, even before any disciple becomes an apostle who proclaims the life of Christ that I saw and heard with my own eyes and ears in the New Testament church, even before all of that, we underscore the call of God that saved you from you. The call of God that had to be. Do you get it? Bare bones? It had to be without which there is no other than hell. You get the necessity of God stepping into your night, saying your name, and saving you. This is an upstream moment. This is a day we, we change the environment of this space. It's not just carpet and walls. It's not just people doing routine things. It's not just coming back and, and doing something mechanical, something systematic, or something just merely synchronized. Something spiritual. That saves So the Apostle Paul would say, I give thanks to God for you. He chose you. And people were the Thessalonians thinking, how did he do that? He didn't, did he really choose me? I'm always gonna be second guessing if he chose me. But that's why all the other words come and follow it. That Paul would say, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit and through belief in the truth, he called you to this through our gospel, our lowly little human mouth gospel was the nevertheless your name and your ears and your time and your space and that's how God called you. So th- we get to retell Samuel's story of like the God who had to try and try and try again. But it speaks volumes of how I was never going to get the call right in that direction. I was never going to find him if he didn't find me today, if you hear his voice, know that his word is yours. Hear the call that saves you today. That's what Samuel got to be reminded of. This was not rosy time in Israel's history. Eli the priest had two wicked sons. You can read all about them in previous chapters. The things they did with people's sacrifices, the things they did with women, the things they did as, as priests is just trampling God's name underfoot. And in fact, this call of Samuel wasn't just to say Samuel's name and say hello. The call is followed up with a message from the Lord that says and proclaims and announces a curse on Eli's house. 
and, and Hophni and Phinehas, those wicked sons of his are going to come to a swift end, God says. This was Samuel's first assignment in speaking. But the, the second point we want to gain from this is precisely that, that God's call would not only be something that saves, but it comes with God himself powerfully working in it to cause us to believe it. There's something beautiful about the fact that it took those couple of times for Samuel to be entering the room with Eli and saying, here I am, this is really getting tiring. Like if you have something to say to me, would you just get it out? You keep sending me back to lay down and then calling me again. But this repetition did what? It involved Eli. Every single time you not only have Samuel hearing this call, this voice in the night, but you have Eli very alert and aware now and repetitiously so to the fact that something was calling Samuel. And so in that moment, they are both driven to the source. It was God's way of opening Eli's eyes to a teachable moment to train a prophet that you're going to hear the word of the Lord. You're going to hear the words, the word of the Lord. And in this repetitious story, there's a special phrase that comes the very last time. After Samuel's lips have been trained to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Then we go back and lay down. Now I got the right words to say. When this happens again, you get ready for time number four. And the narrative storytelling is, has kind of slowed everything down just to this moment. After Eli realized the Lord was calling the boy, he said, say this. So he went back and he lay down in his place. And you get a new phrase. And the Lord came and stood there. Did you miss that before? And the Lord came and stood there. There's only one other time in Hebrew that the Lord came and stood there is used. And it's with Moses in Exodus 34, the revealing of God's name to Moses. That was a moment for Israelites the glory of God in sharing his own name with his people is a reminder that God doesn't just do this on mountaintops. He came to Samuel. The Lord came and stood there and said, calling as he had before, Samuel, Samuel. So in this, all this, this huge point we get to soak in is that when God's word is there, so is the God who gave it. He came and stood there. And in the backdrop of these messy, disaster-like times, what could Samuel know? This God is here. With all of his grace and all of his power, God was there not only to, to give the world some information, read it if you like, make what, what, of it what you will, because our will would not make much of it. But Samuel got to take this as the word of God. Samuel got to take this by the power of God as a reminder that his God was with him, that his God was working through this. This is the same thing our call goes. That God is in your life. 
Because he didn't just like call and somebody told you about Jesus. God was there in those words. This is the way he always is. However hidden, however disguised it might be, he doesn't just give you what to believe. He gives you the faith to believe it. And this was such a reassurance maybe even a visual one that Samuel got to somehow know that God was standing there. But to have that reassurance, to have that power of God work this faith in his heart, his understanding of that word of God that comes to me as a God who is with his people to do things when necessary. That is an amazing way to live. That is your upstream. That you go with the presence of God in his word in his word. We put them together. The last thing we get to savor and enjoy is in the words that Samuel was given. All throughout this story, you don't learn all that much about Samuel himself. You don't know what his favorite color is, what he liked to do during the day, what his favorite chores were as a little priest in training. There's so many things you don't know about the wants and will of Samuel. Everything he does is hear his name and say, at your service. Hear his name and say, at your service. He just comes to do the will of another. And the great line that's forever embedded in congregations, um, histories, and in our hearts is, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. And even there, the words that Eli gave him, they are overflowing with a selflessness. They are in complete receptive mode. If I am just the thinker and designer of the Christian church, you are going to be stuck with my thoughts. It's a, it's a scary thing for any solo pastor is to think that if I just preach what I want to say, you'll be stuck living life with what I wanted to say. When I don't want you to live life with those words. I want you to live life with God's words. I want you to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. I need to start there too. That I would say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Samuel is using third-person language. He's not even saying, speak, Lord, I'm listening. It's the, it's the way you like remove your presence furthest. You background yourself the most so that in the foreground would be the word of God. In the foreground would be the will of God, the wanting of God, the desires of God. I can, I, I'm, just, I'm moving myself to be the fly on the wall, Lord. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. That's what Samuel's doing in that section, that he might be fully open and receptive to whatever God's going to go. And God is going to take him to a word that he's scared to say in the curse of Eli. It stretches him. It's beyond him. And Jesus says to Nathaniel, you'll see greater things than that. You will see heaven open. You're astonished right now. God's word is always going to stretch you. And he says, you'll see greater things than that. Heaven opened with the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. It's planting the good news of Jesus. Right there in the thick of the disciples. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening, is letting God do all the writing. And when that happens, by God's gift and God's power, faith flies.
wherever God flies, faith rules. Wherever God rules, faith has. Whatever God has, we live with whatever God gives. My dear friends in Christ, you share in all the glorious things of our Lord Jesus. Your sins, you can't see this transaction, you can't feel it. In fact, you still feel guilty and we have to deal with that. Your sins were all laid on him and put to death under the punishment of your hell. And they were sent away as far as the east is from the west. So far as he removed our transgressions from us. Their words, and they will fly wherever God speak, speak Lord. Your servant is listening. I'm not going to speak here. You speak here. You speak here and take, take my faith. And then I have all the blessings of all the things that God says. You will see heaven open. <laughs> my dear fellow believers, let's relish the story that God writes on our, your page and mine. Let's relish the calling that God has given to you, personal, filling your heart with his own power that you might rejoice, be saved, and have every good gift in our Lord Jesus Christ. That's upstream. That's your wrinkle for life this week. God bless it. Amen.